0: Welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Any chance? Any chance? <laughs> any chance? You've joined us online this morning. You're really welcome too. You'd be more welcome if you were in the room. Just going kind to of say, oh, oh, controversial. It's the summer, and it's just that's <laughs> right. Um, I'm not even joking either. Get your backsides to church. It's not hard, like, is it? Do you know, like, in everything else that's going on in the world today, driving 15, 20 minutes, half an hour to get to church is pretty... Anyway, I digress. These are the things that go through my head in worship. I'm meant to be worshiping the Lord with my hands raised. I'm going, those flipping wasters. Honestly, like... Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> And this morning, I wasn't gonna come this morning because no way the water saga has continued, right? I got a video this morning from Sarah Jane, and she said, Andrew, um, I just wanna to confirm to you that I do get your fresh water every week. Um, but it was, Sarah Jane, listen, this woman leads you in worship every week. This is what we're dealing with. She actually had videoed herself filling my cup from the cistern in the toilets outside. <laughs> Oh, there's a special sermon for people like her. <coughs> well, you did make me laugh this morning. I was like, Sarah Jane, well, she, she should be at church. Oh, for dear sake. Absolute rascal. Isn't it funny? Do you know, do you know um, are you so well? Everybody good? Are you excited for the word this morning? Word of grace to come. Grace will change your life like nothing else. The unmerited favor of Jesus is the only hope that you have today. Do you know that? Because anything else that you put your hope into outside of the unmerited favor of Jesus today uh, is, is kind of very shaky, isn't it? I was, I was actually listening this week to um, to somebody. I, I, I don't really, I, I'm like a a social media stalker. What, what That doesn't mean I'm stalking you guys, right? What that means is I, I tend to go on and have a wee look, and just, but, but then I get annoyed, so I have to come off it, do you know what I mean? It actually is bad for me, it's, bad. it's not good for my blood pressure, and, so, um, but I was, I was, and, and sometimes I just feel sad actually, because I think, seriously people, if you know life, like honestly, have a look at this big bad world out here, there's loads to do, go and play golf, go and, I don't know, do something, go swimming, take up knitting, I don't know, I even, whatever it is, right? just go do something, other than arguing with idiots on the internet, like, honestly, you know, your life, yeah, there's more to your life than arguing with, Buck idiots, right? There. Uh, you know, because has anyone in here's life been changed by a comment that somebody left you on Facebook? No, exactly. Anyway, somebody was, was going off about the church and going, ah, the problem with the church. And this was somebody from the church going, the problem with the church. And it's like, it was a really encouraging post going, you're all completely irrelevant. There's your issue right there. Irrelevant. That's why the world hates you because you're, I'm going, no, no, you're in the church. And it made me think, because I was, I'd prepared this talk this week from Luke, chapter 12 and when we in this journey of luke you know with the picture of jesus being the ox who lifts the burdens in life i'm thinking you know it's funny because in luke 12 there's just this one line you know the way in your bible to put bits at the top to tell you what the next bit's about well for those of you who've never read the bible you should really give it a go right so what they do is there's these things called chapters and verses and normally in the middle of the chapters and verses there's a wee line that goes the next sort of seven verses are about this right and there's one in luke 12 that says do not worry I'm going, how relevant is that? Because I'm going to talk to you today about "Do not worry. I'm going to go real fast, and you're going to love it. and it's going to be a great talk. It's going to change your life. And uh, you're definitely going to be encouraged, because worry is, you know, do, as soon as somebody says to you, "Do not worry, what do you do? You worry, don't you?" So I'm reading the word this week going, "Lord, seriously, do not worry." That, a wee bit like nobody's ever changed my life on the Internet. Um, when you say to me, "Do not worry." But it actually hasn't helped me. And I love it in Luke 12 when the Lord says, like, consider the birds and all that kind of stuff. Right? Isn't that right? The Lord looks after them. That's the truth. This is Jesus talking. But I have to be really honest. I've never looked at a crow and went, brilliant. Tomorrow's all right. Look like how we crows loving life, look. Like, flittering around. <sighs> Do you know what? All that worry about we'll be able to pay the gas bill, just gone in a minute. Because the crow's fine. Anyone? <laughs> so we've got a problem, folks. So we've got to go to the Word this morning and, and kind of figure it out. I'm going to take, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to go do not worry from Luke chapter 12. and then I'm going to give you a brilliant story. Because sometimes when we go to the Word, the Word actually lays it out for us what we do when we have got something to worry about, all right? And so, because uh, uh, our world is dominated by fear, isn't it? It gets our attention. Uh, that's why we, fear is peddled. If it wasn't COVID, it was monkey pox and donkey pox and chicken pox and every other pox. There's bound to be a new one this week, isn't there? Poxy pox. You're all getting it, and you're all going to have big lumps and look horrific. And it, we sensationalize it. We love it, don't we? Well, we don't, but the world does. And c- kind of, if, if you're not worried... You know, if you're not walking around with fear, I think the media would have you believe that you're not paying attention to just how desperately poor things are out there. This constant diet of leading people by the nose through fear and manipulation. It's interesting for me that we do actually live in the most advanced stage in human history. Uh, you know, in terms of our technology connection, the ability to do things that we've never been able to do at any other time in our, in, 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 um, in actually in human history. But uh, it, as, as Dickens Dick say, the, the best of times and the worst of times right? Uh, because at the same time, no matter what's going on in the world and the technology and all that kind of stuff, and I spend a lot of time with technologists in my, in my business outside of church, and they're undoubtedly, they're brilliant people, extremely clever, but they can't solve the problem of the human heart. There isn't an app yet that will stop you from living in anxiety, that'll stop you living in fear. Do you get that? It hasn't been made yet, and it won't be made. Uh, the, the quality of our life is under different pressure, And so so it's interesting when you get to Luke chapter 12 and we go this whole picture of Jesus being the ox lifting the burdens. One of the biggest burdens we have is worrying about tomorrow and the day after. Isn't that right? What is going to happen? Will I be okay? Will I be safe? Will I be secure? Will I be provided for? Will my kids be all right? What about my family? How's this gonna work out? And what's going on in this one? And and this anxiety and worry and fear, which are the predominant spirits of the age, are deep problems that and you know they have profound impact on us. You know, if we don't have if we don't get to the word and discover grace upon grace, then there will be an impact on our physical and mental health. Because if you want to know why, just look at the world. Okay, and in a, in a constant uh, diet of fear and anxiety, we're not built for it. I'm going to explain that in a minute. So what we do is our bodies respond to it, and so we become sick in our bodies and in our minds, and it affects everything. So we need to. What I want to do is I want to have a quick look at what's called original design, and then I'm going to jump into this brilliant story from a young king all the way back in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles, and it's, it's a cracker because it's literally a blueprint for dealing with your worry. But First Corinthians fourteen twenty before I get there says this. Do not be children in your thinking, all right? Do not be children in your thinking. What, what um, uh, Paul was writing here was, you know, when it comes to, you cannot allow yourself, all right? And I, I, and I guess I'm walking back on that line of going, as soon as somebody says, don't worry, what you do is you worry. And then you worry that you're not worrying. And if you've got, oh, got something to worry about, that's bad because we all should have something to worry about at some stage, all right? is that just me? Maybe I'm a basket case. Here, that's a moment. We've finally figured out that our pasta is an absolute basket case. uh, But it's kind of the way it works. If I've nothing to worry about, I'm worried that I should be worried. You never get away from it. It's not right. (laughs) Absolutely. So where does it come from? Let's just dial it back. You know, we were were not, not designed to live the way that we live today. Do you know that? God's original design, let me just explain why we worry and, the, and where it comes from. God's original design, if you go all the way back into Genesis 3, it says that the Lord walked with us, and we walked with God in the cool of the day, right? What it meant that there was perfect communion between us, that's what we are actually physically designed for. There was no shame, there was no guilt, there was no fear. It was perfect communion, we literally walked with God in, the, in his presence, and we were perfectly joined with him. And that is what you are physically made for. That's the way God originally created us as human beings, to enjoy that kind of relationship. Now, we know that sin messes it up, and now we have to live with all the brokenness that we see in the world, okay? And so we need to then understand, you know, like, that in, that, in some of that brokenness, right, it all comes down. Whenever you walk with God in perfect communion, there's no, there's no room for fear. It actually says that in First John 4. His perfect love, when he, you're present in perfect love, it drives out fear. That's the way that, that we were originally made. Everyone understand that? Sin comes in and causes separation and brokenness, us to God. And what happens then is that fear and anxiety become part of the human condition. Now let's just define these things because sometimes fear means lots of different things, but there are definitions which can actually really help us. So listen to this. A definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion. We all know what that feels like, right? Caused by the threat, that's really important, of danger, pain, or harm. So we feel afraid, or you feel afraid of something, and all that is is an unpleasant emotion, but it's because you feel under threat Because there's gonna be danger, pain, or harm. Why is that? Because innately we know that we were made for safety. Because when we're with the Lord in perfect communion, it is the safest place that we can be. And that's what he designed for you and I. Does that make sense? When anything comes in there, all of a sudden we feel less safe. So fear comes and that's an emotion. Now what does an emotion mean? Okay, well, emotions are reactions that we have. We feel them because there's hormones and stuff attached to them. But emotions are reactions that human beings experience in response to events or situations. So the type of emotion that we experience is determined by the circumstance that triggers that emotion. For instance, you know, we get good news, something happens, we we feel joyful, okay? When we feel unsafe or we feel threatened, when there's threat comes into our life, the emotion is negative and it's fearful. So what I want you to say is every time, every time you feel afraid or you're worried, what you, what you can see is that actually right now I'm not feeling safe. Does that make sense? Now that really helps us when we go to the Word. Because what's happening is my safety, my safety net, my, my sense of security has been disturbed, has been... Something has come in to, to tell me, to make me think I am not going to be safe. So when it comes to provision, I'm afraid that I won't have enough for tomorrow or the weeks to come or for my retirement or whatever. I'm now not feeling safe, right? And so because of that external stimulus coming in, these emotions start to rise in me. But if we understand it's only because the way we are, were originally created to be in perfect communion with God, in perfect love has been disturbed. And what we can do is we can go back to that place of receiving perfect love, receiving perfect grace. And what happens then, it doesn't happen overnight, but fear will leave. You can't rationalize it. Can I just say that? In the world, what happens, we do a lot of work with businesses, as you know, and there's a lot of, um, one of the things I want to say to you this morning is this, is yes, Lord, speak, I listen. The, um, (laughs) that was a wee joke. uh, There's two two words and we need to be careful. The word word that's used in the Bible for your mind is psyche, where we get the root of psychology from. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Christians for a long time have railed against psychologists and gone, oh, they're just, a lot of nonsense. No, they're not. A lot of them are very smart and actually have some really good insight into stuff, okay? But the problem is that we're transformed by grace in pneuma, in our spirit, okay so we are the the bit that Jesus transforms us first and foremost is in the spirit that's when we get the spirit of Jesus and it's the Holy Spirit and then our mind our psyche is renewed to that truth okay so simply renewing your mind will never bring about lasting change in your life it will help you in short term things there's some good patterns in there but what we have to do is we have to be lightened up by the work of Jesus in us the fact that you're a new creation does that make sense? And then what we do is we renew our thinking to what God has done in our pneuma, in the, in the, in the eternal bit of us. And so, but we don't, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay, and just go, oh, you know, it's like all of that stuff is complete nonsense. No, it's not, okay, but let's just get the order of it right. Let my heart be enlightened first and foremost, predominantly to what the Lord has done on the inside of me, who he has made me to be. I let my patterns of thinking then reflect that. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so, so that, that's all that's going on. In you. Every time, you know, sometimes when I feel that those anxiety things going on, I just go, why am I not feeling safe right now? What is it that's come into my life, into my thinking? Because what we do know about people is we think things, it brings up feelings in us, and then we behave accordingly. So as we think, we feel, we behave. That's the kind of the order of it. That's why the Lord says in Romans 12 through the Apostle Paul, he says, be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His perfect pleasing will. That's the way He goes on to lead it. So He lays out this whole uh, masterpiece of grace in Romans one through eleven, talks about all the stuff, no condemnation, the rule of Israel, all that kind of stuff. And then He gets to twelve and He goes, "Now, in light of this, therefore, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let your mind be transformed to all of this truth that I've just laid out to you, all right? Because then you'll start to feel different and you'll behave different. Does that make sense? How am I doing so far?" So if you're, if you're worried or you're anxious today, just bring it to the Lord and go, I'm not, actually it's safety, it's security. I feel like there's danger in my world and we're not made for danger. We're made originally to enjoy perfect safety with God. So what do we do? So let's look at someone who can help us with this, right? Because it's, otherwise right now we go, all right, well, don't be afraid. Thanks for that pastor, Awesome. Walk out of here, how are you doing? Absolutely cacking myself to be quite frank because this here is going on. But you see your man, great preacher, all right? Let's not do that. Let's get into 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And um, what we're gonna see is, look, the, all these threats that are around us are not, whether they're, what's really interesting about the way our minds work is you, you'll feel anxious whether the threat is real, i.e. right now, if there was a boy come in here with an ax and he was throwing the ax around, right? That's what we call a real threat, right? What we would do is we'd send Davey McKenzie out to deal with him, all right? (laughs) Because the truth of it is, you don't have to run fast, you just got to run faster than him, right? So that's the way it works. Sacrificial lamb. Thanks, Davey. Take one for the team, all right? That's called a... That's called a... That's called a real threat. An imagined threat, though. You you know, we physically and emotionally respond the same way to, to stuff in our head. Your body responds the same way, Okay? And so whether it's real or imagined, all we need to know is that it's simply a reflection of the way that I'm seeing things and it doesn't make them true. It's just the way that I'm looking at it. And so we need to get the Lord to help us to renew that, all right? So shall we go like, so how, how difficult is your situation today? How difficult is it? I love Martin Lloyd-Jones. He he has this great quote from years ago. He says, we talk ourselves out of it. He said, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Oh, that's good, isn't it? Let that one sink. I hope that you're going to talk to yourself differently after this because we're going to look at, um, there's this guy called Jehoshaphat in the Bible. Anyone ever heard of him? Okay, he is the great, great, great... So that's three great-grandson of King David. And he, he, he just has, in, in a number of verses, he shows you, whenever the Lord says, do not worry, he shows you what you should do when you're facing something that is a genuine worry. All right? I'm not negating the fact that some of us have stuff that is difficult, but your only option is to go and fall into the arms of grace. That's it because there's not a psychologist in the world who's gonna help you, quite frankly. They'll give you some tips and tricks, but we need a revelation of Jesus and his love for us. So the, the, the background here, he's a young king, Jehoshaphat. He's a young lad, and he's facing a real problem because he's, got, he's a young king, and he's got these two armies called the Moabites and the Ammonites, and they're, they're just about to attack. They've gathered against him, and it's not looking good, all right? The odds are massively against young Jehoshaphat, and he's in diffs. And in those days, if you were the king, it's not just, you know, you would have got slaughtered anyway. But with the king, they, they had special stuff that they did to you. Normally resulted, at the end of it would be your head would be cut off and you'd be dragged through the city by the opposing army. So let's just go, the, you know, this is not, oh my goodness, I just might not be able to, you know, pay the Sky TV next week. This is the, you know what I mean? How terrible that would is. This, this, this kid's looking like death right in front of him and the destruction of the nation of Israel of which he is responsible. It says in verse three, this is 2 Chronicles 20, it actually says in verse three, he was afraid, right? So make no bones about it. He wasn't a superhero. He didn't have a special grace on him. This is a kid who's the king. He's looking at his enemy right in front of him. Safety has gone out the window and, it's, and, and so to set it up, the Lord says he was afraid, and then at the end of that verse, it says, what, do you, what does he do? Let me ask you the question, what do you do when bad news comes? What do you do when you feel anxious? What do you do when your situation is difficult? Because what we have here is Jehoshaphat, in one verse it says, in one bit of the verse it says, he was afraid. And then he, here's, our, here's our first key, he set his face to the Lord. Right? We're just going to go verse by verse. and this, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. His first call was God. He set his face to seek the Lord. Right, he, his first call was God. He didn't move away from God to find solace in people. Do you get that? I've seen this happen so many times. But when something goes wrong in somebody's life, what they, it drives me to distraction. Oh, I just can't come to church because I'm just feeling so upset. Church is where you need to be in the presence of Jesus. When you stand and worship in the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit's moving, do you know what happens? You get healed, you get encouraged. You get a sense of perspective that you don't have, your heart's open for it, that is right? I'm just having a rough week, so I'll not come to church. No, no, no. Look, what did Jehoshaphat do? He set his face to seek the Lord. He moved towards God and towards like-minded people. And what he did, you know, he just didn't complain and moan and get on with it, all right? But his first call was to go, whenever I feel this, I've got to turn my face towards grace, towards favor, towards love, and not away from it. Just be really careful that when you're feeling anxious, that w- ask yourself the question: Where's my first port of call whenever things are coming in against me? Who do you turn to first? Do you get on the text and the WhatsApp? Do you go onto Facebook to Google it, or Facebook to Google it? <laughs> See how down I am with the kids. You know what I mean? Oh, I've got this wee pain here. Oh, better Google that. You're going to be dead by next Tuesday. Listen, everything on the internet is you're dead. Do you know what I mean? I've got a slightly sore thumbnail. Oh, for goodness sake, you'll lose your arm by Tuesday and you'll be in the grave by Thursday. <laughs> Every medical site, isn't that right? Oh, come on, let's be better than that. He set his face to seek the Lord. Now, what happens in, in verses five through 12, what happens in the face of his fear, right? He's faced with a situation that he knows he can't win and he knows that he can't change it. Do you have something like that in your life today? It might be with somebody else. You can't change them. You don't feel like you're ever going to win in the situation. Not even that it's about winning, but there's not going to be resolution, whatever it happens to be, right? And so what does he do when he turns his face to the Lord? His first call, not to people, but to the Lord. Would have been really easy, wouldn't it? Just to gather people around and make, you, make them try to feel better. Don't worry, Jehoshaphat, we got this. We clearly don't got this because they're going to kill us. Don't you worry, I'll make you feel better. He didn't do that. And when he turns his face to the Lord, look what he does. It says here in verses six through seven, you rule over the kingdom. This is Jehoshaphat speaking. You rule over the kingdom of the nations in your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. This is brilliant. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Do you see what he's doing here? He reminds himself when he turns his face to the Lord, okay? And remember, whenever you turn to Jesus and you look at him, he is staring down every enemy that comes your way. But in that, he's not sitting there going, ah, help, right? He starts to declare. He reminds himself who God is. He declares previous victories. What, what are your previous victories today? No, no, think about them. They might be this big or they might be this big. It doesn't matter one bit. When you turn your face to the Lord, declare who he is and say, thank you for everything you've done in my life so far. Because that is where you declare in faith that he has been faithful. It is your platform for him to move you in a greater victory moving forward. Do you get that? That's what we do. We say, thank you, Lord. Today I am fit and I am healthy. I might want to be fitter and healthier, but I've got every single one of you got here today. You're sitting here. Most of you look all right. Some of you, I'm not so sure. All right. But you have food in your bellies, don't you? You had petrol in your car to get here or someone else brought you here. You've got a day in front of you that some people line up in that hospital, as my granny used to say, would love to have. You've always got something to say thank you to Jesus for. But the enemy will keep your eyes on what you don't have. He'll keep your eyes on lack. He'll keep your eyes on what you're missing out on. And Jehoshaphat goes, no, the only way for me to overcome this is to turn to seek the Lord. And as I look at him, I'm gonna declare his goodness. And I might have to do it through gritted teeth. My emotions and my fear might be going, This ain't working. This ain't good for you. This is not going to change anything. But there is something about the obedience of turning to God in gratefulness that unlocks your future victory. Amen. I love this. Or you could just sit and wallow in all the nonsense. Uh, How's that work out for you? It's just terrible. I just can't break through. Just feeling so miserable. I'm not going to go to church for a couple of weeks. because that make me feel so much better? Yeah. Wise up. Remember, don't be like kids. We grow up in grace. Do you get that? I suppose saying, don't think like children. Don't do what everyone else does and expect something different. But look at what the Lord tells you in His Word. Am I is that you tell me to back off of it? Okay. Penny's got a really worried look on her face. So it means two things. Either Pull it back, Andrew, or your fly's down. It's one or the other. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love this. Do you know what he also does, right? Declares previous testimony, declares previous victory, not just in his head, but other, so that other people could see it and other people could hear it. There's something about that. There's something about whenever you're facing fear and you've, you're living with fear, that when you vocalize and say out loud, My God is good. My God is faithful. Today, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the head and I am not the tail. I am well provided for. My future is secure. And you start to just to say, Lord, because every day of my life, you've been faithful and good to me. You have watched over me. You have protected me. You have brought me this far. And the truth of it is, you can declare in faith today that if he's brought you this far, right, he hasn't finished If you've got breath in your body today, he is not done with you. Your best days are still in front of you. You will see the goodness of God, Psalm 27, in the land of the living. So turn your face to seek the Lord and declare how good he is. I love this. He actually says here, we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house, this is Jehoshaphat, and cry out to you in our affliction, And you will hear and you will save us. I love that, it's verse nine. Before anything else, all right, can I just encourage you? You will never win the battle over that fear and that emotion if your head and your heart is concentrated on it. Get your head up, get your heart up, make a declaration of who he is and what he has done for you. And honestly, you, and here's the thing, he hadn't seen it yet. But what does he say? It's a future tense. You will hear me and you will save me. You know what some of us, the problem is? We don't know how it's going to work out. See see the problem that you have right now. Do you know how how it's going to work out? You might have an idea of what it looks like fixed. Isn't that right? So if I said, think about this thing that's going on in your life, think about that broken relationship or that broken body or that lack of hope. And you go, imagine what it would be like if you didn't have to live like that. And you go, yeah, I can see that. The problem is there seems to be a whole big gap between where we are and what that looks like. Isn't that right? Yeah? And so therefore, that's the tricky bit. Go, actually, I can believe for healing because I know what that would look like. I can paint the picture of that in my head. But Andrew, I'm here and I'm not there. And this whole bit in between is really tricky. All right? Anyone? Flip, well, that's what it's like for me anyway, all right? And so, but, but here's what's interesting. There is a shift in grace. What I love about grace is it goes, not God, will you do, but God, you will do because it is already done. I am not praying for a victory. I am coming from a victory, your victory on the cross. I am not looking for my healing. I am walking into my healing because healing has been provided. This whole notion of will God heal? No, he's done all the healing he's gonna do. Do you get that? It's up to us to walk into that healing. Will God provide? He's already provided. In faith we receive and that's where grace goes. It's not will it happen? It's done and now we have to appropriate it and i know that's a hard thing sometimes for some of us to hear god knows i've had my fo- my share of it myself but it doesn't change the truth jehoshaphat despite his feeling said you will hear you will save And he was doing that obviously before the cross. Do you get that? But there was a confidence in him. How much more us after the cross, seeing what Jesus had done, seeing the fullness of his work of grace. Jehoshaphat didn't have that. He just had a boldness in him to go, I'm gonna let my declaration be. And the whole time he's doing this, you're gonna hear me, you're gonna save me. People looking at him probably going, this wee lad's lost the plot because the Moabites and the Ammonites are staring right down at us. But he didn't care. He kept his eyes on the one who saved. Amen, I love it. It's really easy to do when you start to think about this. He started to build faith in himself. That declaration of you speaking out what this looks like fixed under God's grace will build faith in you to walk into it. Do you get that? It's hard to be worried and anxious at the same time as you're declaring faith, expectation, and a picture of God's goodness. Do you know? Because light can't live with darkness. Try it. Take 10 minutes of declaring, speaking in tongues, taking the word of God, declaring the truth of what he puts into your mind, and tell me in those moments how anxious and fearful you can't, the two can't coexist. Do you get that? The Lord said that light can't live with darkness. The, the love of God drives out Fear. You, how am I doing here this morning okay you need to encourage me because you're looking like you're half asleep thank you and it's just too hard you just don't understand no I do understand what I understand is that many of us many of us have just got into patterns of going this is just too hard and I'm just so afraid and, and can I just say as well because I've been guilty of this as well some of us get so comfortable Actually, it can be a comfort to us, a wee bit of fear. Or or we can wear some dysfunction, almost like a coat, put it on because it feels comfortable to us. You need to be careful of that. That's not Zoe life. That's not the life that God has planned for us. He came to give you life and life in its fullness. And I know at times for me, sometimes I go, because the feeling feels normal and it feels comfortable. And I can rest and wallow in it a little bit. goes no 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 okay it's impossible to do that when you've got faith and expectation for what your future looks like i love this verse 12 for for jehoshaphat just keeps going this guy's not, he plays a blinder here um for we are powerless against against this great horde that is coming against us right i know some faith people would crack up with that oh don't say that because then you're going to get overrun remember the, the bad old days when you, you can say, oh, I'm dying here with hay fever. Oh, don't be saying that because you're going to be dead if you speak that out over yourself. Remember all that stuff? <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, flip me, my feet are killing me. Oh, don't be saying that because your feet are going to jump up and strangle you. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> it's nothing half crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think the work of grace and I think the Lord understands. Do you think the Lord, after a day of walking with those, 12 Egypts that he had to hang around with. Maybe kicked off the sandals and went, my feet are killing me, boys. Do you think he probably, I think he probably, or whatever the Aramaic equivalent was in the day. Like, here, Peter, give him a wee rub for me. They're flipping. Do you know what I mean? I a know up here. Right? He says, we are powerless against this great horde that's coming against us. We don't know what to do. Is anyone in that situation right now go, I don't know what to do, but... My eyes are on you. Remember what fear is? Fear and the emotion of, that it brings up is simply a response to how you see things. So if your eyes are on the thing, the source of your fear, then what's gonna happen is you're gonna feel fear. But he says, again, I put my eyes onto you and when I look at you, I see provider, shepherd. I see the one who protects, the one who makes me lay down beside still waters, the one who says that, Yeah, you, know, you start to get it right. I just keep reflecting on that, reflecting on that, and my heart finds rest. And I still don't know how you're gonna work it out, but I keep my eyes on you, and we'll see what happens. You all know, do you all know the story? Most of you do, it's absolutely cracker. What happens when you do that, right? When you say, I can't, but he can, let me just go really quickly. I just, I just absolutely love this. You know, there's this guy called Jehaziel, who appears, and uh, he's a Levite. And in the atmosphere of faith and belief, so what'll happen, listen to me even in your family. Some, Jehoshaphat here is obviously a picture of authority, being the king. But if you're in a position of authority anywhere within your family, in a relationship, or whatever it happens to be, whenever you, when Jehoshaphat speaks out boldly what God says and what he thinks, like, I don't know how this is gonna happen, but my eyes are on you, etc., etc., it creates faith. And this guy, Jezeel the Levite, starts to prophesy. And he starts to bring more encouragement. Whenever you put your eyes onto the Lord, and you go, I will not worry, but I will put my eyes on you, even though I haven't a clue how it's going to work out. What it does is it builds and releases faith in other people. Do you not think our conversation, even in this church, should be different at times? No? Maybe I'm just in really bad conversations. I don't think I am. Do you get me? We shouldn't be talking the same way that everyone else is talking out there right now, should we? That's when we lose our relevance. You also don't want to be a weirdo, right? So I get the, I get the tension, I feel the tension. But there's something here about going, whenever I speak the truth of who God is, it releases that faith in somebody else. We don't just, don't, don't buy into the there, there, there trap. That's not what the church is about. There, 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 I know it's all terrible. The church is a place of encouragement where we encourage each other to get our eyes up onto the King of Grace and allow him to do his work in us. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, help each other and be understanding and show empathy and all of those really nice things, okay, which are super important. But showing empathy for someone is not going to change their situation. Putting their eyes onto Jesus will change their situation. And sometimes the most kind and loving thing we can do is say, stop being selfish and thinking about yourself and get your eyes up onto the Lord. Oh, as Andrew Womack said, it's tight, but it's right. And he used to say it. He used to make me me chuckle. Oh, it's tight, but it's right. Because it makes us go, oh, no, my flesh doesn't like that. And well, your flesh won't like it. Why? Because you're you're opening yourself to the Spirit. And your flesh will respond that way. I love this. Jehaziel, he starts to prophesy. And this is what he says. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Isn't that amazing? Some of us need to hear that today. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 15. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed at whatever is coming your way because you know what? It's not your battle. It's his battle. He's going to fight it for you. He's going to walk you into the victory of it. And what happens here is Jehaziel starts to prophesy grace. He starts to prophesy unmerited favor. He reminds them of what the Holy Spirit reminds us of every day. It's not your work. It's my work, says the Lord. What are you, the only question the Lord's asking this morning is, what are you focused on? What are you magnifying? What are you giving your attention to? Where does your conversation go? Are you magnifying the problem or are you magnifying the one who is the answer? Because if you don't, your life is going the way of your dominant thought. Your life is going the way of your dominant thought. When we focus on our problems and our circumstances, then that's what will get bigger and that's where we will stay. And then, so Jehaziel starts to to prophesy grace. He starts, there's something stirs in him. You see, whenever you stand in faith, what it'll do is it'll unlock something in somebody else that will also be part of your solution. Do you get that? I love it. Somebody else will go, no, hold on. I feel what the Lord's saying and the Lord is saying this to me. Boom. And then what happens is, uh, you know, the word comes, you will, at verse 17, you will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position. Now, through the lens of grace, what we see that today is stand firm. means I mean, stand on the finished work of Jesus. Don't get into your own effort. Don't get into your own performance. Don't get into your own way of working it out because you'll not be able to do it. Stand for. Hold your position. What is your position today? Your position is righteous. From that place of righteousness, standing firm in righteousness. You know the best use of your faith, as Pastor Prince tells us, is not faith for things, it's faith for righteousness. That's the best use of your belief and your trust, is to trust that you're righteous, because when you're grounded in righteousness, what happens? All things flow to you. Amen? You don't need faith for stuff. You don't need faith for money. You don't need faith for any of that. When a righteous man will live in the fullness of the grace of God. Why? Because you're declared righteous completely free. Anyway, so stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and don't be dismayed. So stand firm, don't go left or right, stand in righteousness and you will see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. You know the problem with some of us is, what did I say last week? Distraction. When the Lord's ministering to Mary and Martha, what does the word distraction mean? Okay, actually the root of the word fear that's used here, I didn't say it at the beginning, but it's in my notes, means it's the same thing, to be pulled from pillar to post. So you know that when you're afraid, don't you? When you're anxious, your head goes one way, then it goes the next way. Your heart goes this way, then it goes the next way. And you kind of feel like you don't know whether you're stuffed or mounted, right? Running from here to there. And on the inside, going about all the normal stuff that you would normally do but your inside world can be up and down, like a fiddler's, yeah? Okay, that, that's what the... I fitters elbow. I probably should finish that. No, uh, Finish that one. But he says, stand firm, hold your ground. I love this. You may shake. You no, know, this week your knees may go, your heart may feel heavy and burdened, but stand firm on the grace of God. And this is what happens, okay? This is what happens. I, I want to finish here. Have you enjoyed this yeah. this morning? It's dead practical, isn't it? Turn your face to seek the Lord, declare who he is. Say thank you to Jesus for everything that he's brought you through. It'll release faith around you. Stand for, keep standing firm in righteousness. So if you go, okay, that's me. God's spoken. I'm standing. I haven't yet seen my deliverance. I don't know how you're gonna work it out, all right? It says here, verse 18, then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground and all of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping him. I guess this is what you do, right? This is what you do in the gap between where you are and where you need to be, my great encouragement is fill that space in your head and your heart and fill your days with an awareness of Jesus and his grace for you. If you don't, if there's not a part of your day every day where you're not connecting back in to the God of grace who loves you, you don't operate in a vacuum. Do you understand that? The gap will be filled by something or someone or some thought. And you will live in the fruit of that thought. There is no neutral. So Jehoshaphat goes, the Lord has spoken. I'm gonna stand firm, hold my position. But the Moabites and the Ammonites are still there. So what do I do? I start to worship. And as I worship, it's that beautiful picture back to the tabernacle, isn't it? As I worship the Lord with my face turned to, the, turned to Jesus, for us with our faces turned to Jesus, looking at him eye to eye, okay? Captured by him and who he is, with our hearts full of his grace and his, and his work for us. He is, in that moment, connected to us, but every enemy is subject to him. I love that picture. Every time I turn my face to the Lord, he is staring down my enemies. I love this. And they go out then. Verse 20, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe as prophets and you will succeed. I love this. There's an encouragement again to believe before you see. Believe before you see is the encouragement here. And they go out and, I'll, and just let me, uh, in verse 21, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And then I love this in verse 22. That, so they go out with worship. They, the equivalent for that for me like in, in every day now is like you go out in the morning, right? Like I, I've said this before. Like I know Penny and I are dead spiritual as a couple. Flipped me, and uh, but we do listen every morning to either Pastor Prince or somebody else. Or and I listen to some. And when I get into the car, what I do is I listen to worship, or I listen to the Bible being read. And you might think I'm weird, okay? But I, I've, you know I kind of go in this moment. Where I have a moment, I've got to make a choice. If I listen to talk radio that I love, okay, but I'll end up going mad, all right? Especially this week. Poor old Boris. Oh, controversial, right? But you look at, the, you look at all that stuff going on and people's opinions. Don't even start me on Nolan, right? I actually feel it rising in me. Do you? And it plays in my head for the rest of the day. I'm wanting to phone in and go. I'll give him a false name so nobody knows who it is. <laughs> Have anyone ever been tempted to do that? Come on, tell. I want to see hands. You've all been tempted, haven't you? Phone in to Nolan and say, "This is uh, Johnny from uh, Banger, right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, he sounds awful like Andrew too. Good. Or I can. And I've never had. A, I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking before I say this. Have I ever had a moment? I think probably nine mornings out of 10, there's always something that is said in a song or, or something which just gives me a, a moment of hope. Do you get that? That's what he does, right? And they began to sing in praise. Last verse, and then I'm done. Verse 22. And the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. I love this. Verse 25. The spoils were so much that after three days... You want to know a picture of grace here? Verse 25, that's still not gathered it up. Like You don't have to be a Bible scholar to see the picture of grace in there, do you? After three days, Jesus goes to the cross. Three days later, rises again. So what happens is after three days, there was so much richness for them, they couldn't gather it all up. Oh, come on. Hit that one out of the park, Right? It was unbelievable. And then in verse, what I love, let's just take verse 25 and verse 30. After three days, there's so much richness that can't even gather it in. And then it says in verse 30, for the rest of his reign, they lived in peace. How cool is that? I love that picture of of the fullness of the work of Jesus. So rich, you can't gather it all in And the result is, in your life, you'll live in peace. That's why the Lord says, do not worry. How's that this morning? Hey, listen, do you know what? When the Lord says, do not worry, don't let that hang there like something that beats you and makes you feel bad because you still worry. If you were smart this morning, you would have taken some notes to go. What does he do? Go to Second Chronicles um, 2, start to read from about verse 5, and just look at the story of Jehoshaphat again. Turns his face, not just in fear, but he just starts to declare, he prophesies, it raises faith. And, and the end result is, there, we know already, after three days, there's so much for us in the finished work, that we'll live in peace. I believe the Lord's saying, that, in fact, just close your eyes, let's go for some pads, and we'll get the, the music guys up. Um, as we start just to, to, to round up. Just close your eyes for a moment. As we start to finish. I want to encourage you the Lord is working on your behalf right now as you sit in his presence as we get ready to take communion together as you sit in his presence the Lord's working on your behalf. This week there will be rooms and conversations and meetings and all that stuff, kind of stuff that where you will not be physically present but the Lord's working on your behalf He's working good purpose for you. He's working provision and health and safety. And so he says to you today, don't be, don't be afraid. Think about those things that even at the beginning, the things that cause that negative feeling in you. That lack of hope, that disappointment, that sense of failure or going around in circles or I know I shouldn't be, but I am. Whatever it is, the Lord just wants to minister right into your heart right now. And do you know what He's doing? We sometimes it's almost like if we feel like if the Lord could reach in and re- like kind of physically remove that fear from us, you know, that would be brilliant. But we see here the pattern in the Word is what He does is He fills our heads and our hearts with a bigger picture, a more powerful picture. And that's the picture of Jesus and his grace. See, even right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would start to show every single person in this room, those watching online. Show them, Father, just as they imagine for their situation, what it would look like fixed. What it would be like without the fear of provision. Or that bit in their body, healthy, or that child restored. Whatever it is, that mental health issue, done with. Lord, as you paint the picture here in faith, we say, Thank you, Jesus. You don't paint those pictures in our heads and our hearts. Just to frustrate us or to guilt us or whatever you're building faith in us that that is the freedom that you have for us, Lord. And I declare over you right now in faith, that as your mind and your heart is filled with the goodness of Jesus, with the love of Jesus, with the truth of who He is and what He has done for you, that in those moments every fear would dissipate and perfect love would cast every fear away I speak peace over you church I speak the peace of God over you we're not and have never ever been designed as a people who have a spirit of fear but Lord you've given us soundness a sound mind you've given us confidence Lord that because you're in us It's greater than everything else. And so I speak that truth today. I speak that this week, there would be a journey from fear to peace. Lord, every day as we train ourselves, not to think like children and to give in to the narrative of the world, but to be people who respond every day with our eyes on you, fixed on you, I pray that this week, as we take that posture and position of faith, I pray that in every situation represented here today, there would be breakthrough and change and wholeness and healing in a new way, in a fresh way, in a way that you have not seen before, folks. I speak it over you. We believe it and we declare it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, we take this bread in our hands, this wafer, and we say thank you for your body broken for us, Lord. Thank you that in faith, you know, we receive. Right. in fact, why don't we stand at their feet? We'll do this. Get ready to worship the Lord. Take this, this bread and we say thank you that you are our healer. Over our bodies, from the tips of our toes to the tops of our head, we just speak healing and health. In Jesus' name. Over Lauren, over Tom today are not with us. We speak health and wholeness. Miracles in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Thank you, Father, that sickness is not the head, it is the tail. Father, thank you that because of your work on the cross and your atoning work, Lord, that you have paid the price for every sickness and disease and dysfunction. And so we eat today in faith, believing, Lord, that you're working in our bodies and minds. Amen. And Father in that word what are we going to stand on? We're going to stand firm right, in righteousness We're going to hold our position our position is that we are loved and holy today we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings But when you look at us today you see us as holy and blameless the religious bit of us can't even begin to understand that But Father, when you transformed us, you transformed us forever. And our spirits, Lord, perfect. That's who you see us to be. The work of Jesus given to us as a gift. And so we stand today on on righteousness. We turn our faith to righteousness, Lord, not for anything else. And know, Lord, that when we are truly convinced of our righteousness, Lord, that, you know, Penny and I were talking this week, folks. I've been in the Bible, where it says, "Seek first the kingdom of God," and we used to think that meant that we had to go and do evangelism teams for eight weeks over the summer and live in tents and all sorts of stuff, which is great if you want to do that. But you know, the kingdom of God, it also says, "in order that you know, put first the kingdom of God, seek first His righteousness." Right? And the kingdom of God is about righteousness. You know, we've got that mixed up. We've put performance over position. I wish you need to come to position again and seek first righteousness. Because in that place, everything else is added on to us. So Father, thank you that because of your body poured out, your blood poured out for us, Lord, we're completely righteous. Amen.